Hello all you seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Our guest today is uh, Bianca Robinson, who's a chief executive at uh, the CEO Sleepout Charity. We are of course going to talk uh, in this episode about uh, charity, which uh, is a an event that happens in different cities where uh, business leaders, civic leaders and so forth uh, sleep out uh, under the stars for one night and uh, raise money for uh, the CEO sleep out charity which is then in turn there to support uh, and combat homelessness but it's all about raising awareness and uh, funding for uh, to support uh, homeless people in this country, the United Kingdom that is. However, we're also going to address charitable leadership, which is the uh, title of this episode. And charitable leadership is really about, you know, what are the responsibilities or the opportunities that business leaders have in becoming charitable, engaging in charitable uh, actions. It's all about companies showing up in their communities and being a member and a supporting member of those communities. And as we see more and more companies that are shifting towards a grander or bigger purpose than just feeding the bottom line, the need from the uh, interior of the company, from stakeholders, for companies to engage in their communities and engaging in these social issues that we have in the world so to you know care for their supply line who works for their supply line are they being taken those people being taken care of and the people that work within the company or their customers what are the actions that we can take as business leaders or as companies to help uh, progress uh, the agenda of humanity and evolving uh, in this uh, world as we live it in, in it today. So let's dive deep into these topics and hear from, from Bianca herself as we dive deep into the topic of charitable leadership. Enjoy. Yea, he who is a true king of men will not say to himself, Lo, I am worthy to be crowned with laurels. <clears throat> but rather will he say to himself, What more is there that I may do to make the world better because of my endeavors? And this comes from uh, the story of King Arthur and his knights by Howard Pyle. And today we are graced by the beautiful presence of Bianca Robinson, who's the the chief executive of CEO Sleepout. And uh, today's topic is charitable leadership. And we really want to explore the the ability or the position and the possibility and the perhaps the responsibility of business leaders to show up in in our businesses and also in our communities to kind of lead this idea of uh, charity uh, to those that need it and what, what what's happening and how is the needle shifting as it were so i want to uh, give our biggest welcome here to Bianca and uh, let Bianca kind of introduce herself. Oh, thanks, Christopher. That's just gorgeous. Um, yeah, you said the word responsibility and I think that's what it's about. I think doing good in business is a choice, clearly. <laughs> um, but I think there is a growing need to see that responsibility and build, uh, 
business leaders step into their power. You know, they've got a lot more power than just making money or selling a product. They've got a power to influence others. They've got a power to shift um, communities and as a result, shift society and move that needle, like you say. Um, and I think it's time. I think we're crying out for solutions that aren't coming from central government. Um, and I think the business leader group, I guess if you were to put them all in a group, can you imagine what difference they could make together for communities, for the environment, um, just to, to, to send value back to all the stakeholders? So that's the workforce, their families, children, making sure kids are people who work for you, go to school, you know, with a full belly and ready to learn and not in survival mode. And then that's impacting on communities, that's impacting on society and the environment and the, you know all the all the supply chain ecosystem as well. So I think there's a there's a it's it's time to step up. I think the opportunity's there, and we do we do have to, the power. And I'm just trying to find a way to harness that to pull it all together into a into a, a message and a, a galvanize a movement. I guess is what I'm trying to do. So. To answer the question, to, to kind of paint a picture, the CEO Sleepout's a, a charity. We are tiny. We are just me with Joanna two days a week and Henrietta representing us in London two days a week. But we work across the UK and we bring um, business leaders together for one night to sleep out under the stars. Christopher's put his hand up to do our Oxford uh, CEO Sleepout at Christchurch. Um, spend a night facing a bit of, bit of discomfort, a bit of cold, but it's only one night, but we ask each business leader to raise a significant amount of money so that we can make a massive difference and we return that money to charities operating on the front line in that city. Um, and I think it's it's an idea that's caught fire. People want to do it. They get amazing networking out of it. But really, once they're there, we sprinkle a bit of fairy dust while they're asleep and that unlocks a huge amount of understanding, a huge amount of compassion. And I think a real thirst to um, go out there and actually do more and be that responsible business person and build into their businesses kind of their values and what they want to see in the world. And, and it's so much more than just the mandate to return a profit to shareholders. They start to see that and they start to act on it. And I think that's where the power lies. Yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Bianca and I met at the uh, Better Business Act uh, uh, movement in uh, London when we went to uh, kind of harass uh, Parliament, and uh, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I, it. I didn't get to harass my MP because he was running for the hills at that point. Mine so was too. Uh, Mine was too. <laughs> Such a shame. But anyway, we we I think on mass we did create a bit of a noise that day, and uh, long may it continue. And hopefully that act gets pushed through. If not next year, then the next year. We just got to keep trying. Yeah, and. Uh, it is a pity that, well, first of all, it's a pity that we've, we have a legislation that gives businesses an excuse to say, well, sorry, I, I, I can't do anything about mental health in my company because it's costing too much money and then I can't return to shareholders. Or, sorry, I can't worry about the community because that's going to cost too much money and then I'm, I'm uh, sacrificing my uh, duty to uh, the uh, shareholders. So 
the legislation as it is today because of the business act um, is that we 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 have this businesses have this excuse to get out of being responsible uh, whether that is people planet whatever it may be um, so the do we feel i mean i feel personally that we shouldn't really need legislation to for people to become compassionate and empathetic uh, but if that is what it takes to wake people up then so be so be it <laughs> but, and uh, so from that point of view what is it a responsibility or is it an opportunity for business leaders to step up well we frame it as an opportunity but i do believe it's a responsibility <laughs> but businesses need to wake up and see that and smell mm. the coffee themselves before they can step into that. Um, and just to kind of frame this Better Business Act, Christopher, that you're talking about where you and I met, the Companies Act is it's very similar globally. And if we were to change just that one clause, clause 172, to say your responsibility is not just to return profit to your shareholders, your responsibility is to return measurable value to people and planet as well, then we would be the first in the world to do so. But it's that thing, no country wants to take that risk and be the first. Mm -hmm. But if someone was brave enough to do it, you better believe that other countries would soon follow suit. So I do think we've got to keep pushing for that. Um, I just held an event in the Shard in London on Thursday called the Leaders with Purpose uh, panel discussion event um, in conjunction with the Warwick Business School. And that was so brilliant because we had a panel of businesses already doing that. I think there's a real hunger for businesses to sit, who want to kind of take the steps. They don't really know how or what's involved or how much it's, what the cost is going to be. And I think, you know, Christopher, you, 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 you're right in saying, how do I justify it when I've got shareholders going, just show me the money? How do I justify it when the profit motive is my imperative? Um, and that's the big question. What do you do? What do you do? How do you do it when you've you've got to show profit? And the, other the right question, shareholders. Yeah. And the other question is, how do you do it when not only when when you're only legislated to a certain level? And believe me, legislation sets the lowest bar, like you say. Legislation is always the lowest bar. If you are only, <laughs> if you're doing what's legislated for, you're one step away from criminal activity, really. <laughs> you, do, you know, if you think about it that way, you, you couldn't really be doing any less without being a criminal, right? Mm -hmm. It's a nice yep. way of looking at it. Yep. So it's over and above, but but again, it's time, it's energy. How do you build that in? And so one of my panelists is called Jason Allen Lane. He's HR head for Outreach, which is a global um, communication support company and what he said was first of all he has to get his teams excited and get behind group activities quite often linking them to causes and then that excitement creates a buzz um, in the office and creates greater happiness productivity all the things then he can share with the higher ups and say look we've done this the team are getting on board and it's actually creating a great knock-on effect and then the higher ups then buy in so it's bottom up 
-hmm. weirdly, because quite often my message is top down. It's got to come from the chief. It's got to come from the head. It's got to come from your authentic values. And you've got to find a way to actually build those into your business. But sometimes it's staff led. Mm -hmm. It's grassroots led. and And I like that as well. I think... Yeah, it could be either or. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, the way I've, and I've had a, a few episodes now where we talk to different people about these topics. And uh, the way I kind of see is when I go in and I work with businesses as a consultant, I start by breaking it down like, what is a business? And a business is really a collection of people that come together working towards a common purpose. Now, that purpose, tip, uh, more often than not, kind of tends to, once they get over the honeymoon of the startup phase where everybody's like gung-ho and, yeah, we, we got this product or this app and everybody's like uh, into it. And once you get past that, then it kind of turns into all about the money right and it's so the 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 energy kind of becomes disparate and you start someone is there to get their share options or to become uh, invested in their share options or they're there to get a paycheck or they're there because they have nothing else better to do so now suddenly that energy is not being channeled or funneled towards that one common purpose because it is this returning value to shareholders. So if you have, you know, the the person who cleans the offices, he is not going to or she is not going to be able to connect with the idea of we have to return, you know, this much to shareholders. It just doesn't resonate. There's no connection there. But if you have this idea of, or incorporates into the purpose of the business to do good for the community that everybody can uh, resonate with. doesn't matter what kind of stakeholder you are, you can resonate with that, right? And also it's not, if you're the type of person who's making money for money's sake, how soon before you burn out? Because it might be exciting playing in the big casino of money-making, but it ain't fulfilling. I mean... Someone who's been there will tell you that it's not it's not where it's at. You know, it's not where it's at. They say there's two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find why. And that's Simon Sinek or someone, isn't it? I think that I snatched that from. But the day you find out why. I mean, we are all here to 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 do something that makes us feel fulfilled and good about life. The King Arthur quote, you know, nobody needs a crown. They need fulfillment in their life. That's what they need. That is the reward. And and how do you get that? You get that by doing something that you feel proud of. Now, some people do just feel proud of making money and putting in the bank and saying, I've made loads of money. That's great. You do you. But for the majority of people, I think that that leads to an emptiness, a burnout, you know, all the negative things. I think when we can see that we're trying our best to actually leave a, leave a net positive effect in our life um, to our people we love and our communities, I think that that's where the fulfillment's at for me. Can't speak for everybody, but for me, you know, and I think there's plenty of case studies to support that idea as well, Christopher. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And it is interesting because 
when you look at the so you talk take the example example that you had here with the person that makes all the money puts it in bank and they feel fulfilled by that but now they might have 100 people working within that business they're not going to be able to resonate with this one person putting all that money into their bank bank account and that's enough you have this whole organization that you are part of being the collective uh, the, that collective consciousness that you are now out of vibration with because oh, you know, vibration right so uh, it's so you, it's there's going to be that uh, kind of dysfunction or where the business is actually going to start to suffer because you have that uh, out of alignment in terms of the the frequency and the uh, vibration between management and the people that work for the business so uh, and that's one of the things i'm uh, i bring out to to businesses that we got to come into alignment with the collective consciousness energy you know whether you, uh, this is not something being a religious or anything it's just being in alignment with everybody's purpose right 100% and i think it's very visible when you're seeing billionaires who have made their money on the backs of a low paid workforce globally they who shall not be named um and the workforce are in survival mode but these billionaires are claiming the glory, the accolades, um, I think that that's, that's not okay, you know, and I think we have to start to call it out, actually. Um, I do talk about bringing your people along with you, getting them on the same page. So this is where you're talking about the vibration of an organisation. I think organisations do have an energy, a vibration. They also have a character, mm -hmm. which is made up of all the individual characters in the ship kind of, building building that overall character but it does stem from the values of leadership and I think leadership has to set the example mm -hmm. when a leadership is there claiming the glory off the back of employees that aren't even allowed to take a toilet break you've got a big you've got a big problem the business is it might make money but at some point the devastation is going to be too great and it will overwhelm that business I, I, I think I think. I mean, we're seeing it with the workers' strikes right now. No, no, I think perhaps just shifting the idea of what a business is. Traditionally, it's been, I have an idea, I'm starting a business, and I'm the boss. I'm going to make all the money. Everybody who works for me are there to support me, as opposed to everybody coming together to work together for to make this idea come true or uh, to manifest it and that it's it's not really about the individual it's about the idea and the purpose of the business and we're all there to serve the business and then you know whatever windfall comes out of that you know people making money is fantastic you know I'm happy for loads of people to make money, but it's this idea that just because I have an idea that I have to be the only one who makes money on it, it's, I don't think it's sustainable in the long run. Uh, it's, so just shifting the idea of what a business is that, you know, and this is not 
you know, adhering to Karl Marx's ideals or anything like that. I'm very much a believer in free markets and capitalism. But I think the or the approach we have to businesses, once we can get the idea that it's the business is its own entity and its own purpose, and once we have that idea fundamentally in place, then it doesn't matter if you're you know uh, an assistant or you're the CEO. You can all work towards the same purpose, and you are all kind of working for that purpose to make sure that purpose comes about. And that, I think, will then change the way that <clears throat> managers and leaders look at the the whole organization and their position in it. If we take away this idea of I'm the CEO and I'm therefore the, you know, God's gift to this company, yeah, you take that very, away, you know? It's a very Milton Friedman-esque concept isn't it so it feels so 80s to me mm. <laughs> um it's like it's boss versus leader and bosses yeah. you do what i tell you you don't mess up or you'll there'll be you know reprimands there'll be punishments you won't get through you know whatever um whereas leadership is and i and i believe in a form of leadership called servant leadership i'm here to serve the purpose of the organization yeah and i'm here to serve my workforce if they need guidance i serve them I don't have a workforce. I've got a, you know, I've got a tiny little team, but I have had, I have grown a small business as well. A web and creative agency, and it was, it was exactly the same thing. So, so, um, yeah, I, I think it's really important that you are serving an entity. I love that idea, Christopher. I think it's, it's absolutely spot on. I think, I think some of these '80s concepts really are dying in the front of our very eyes, and business is changing the way it does business in front of our very eyes. And that makes me feel very excited because I think, you know, I talk about this a lot, um, that if you don't get on board this train, I mean, to be to be fair, it's already left the station. Oh, yeah. You know, this idea of your business is not doing things that provide value back to the community, to people, to planet. Gen Z, 20% of the workforce ain't going to buy from you. Mm -hmm. You Just know, like on the whole, on the yeah. whole. Just like at the, if I can just interject with the real life example of that. Uh, so, you know, we're in this podcast, we're not taking any stance, but we, we are observing uh, reality, right? We're observing the human condition. Uh, so, Elon Musk yesterday goes out and gives his perspective on what the Ukrainians should do to achieve peace with the Russians, right? And that backfired big time on him. And today, the share price went down by 9% as an immediate reaction to his uh, stance that was unpopular with the, you know, what people really wanted. So we see this, and in America, we can see this also with you know, states that are uh, you know, going the wrong way as far as, you know, if we take someone like Amazon or uh, I think Twitter or some of these really big companies, they basically say, no, if you're going down that route, we're not going to put our headquarters there. We're going to move it. So it's immediately in the markets. You can see it immediately. Yeah. Uh, and I think the forces that are driving this are huge. So you've got you've got that markets. Markets are driving it. That's number one. 
Um, imminent crises, climate change is, is also driving the environmental side. Um, worldwide movements of people, and we, you know, we've we've got a, we've just you know had a big ask of the country take on Ukrainian refugees. So we're seeing we're seeing a destabilization war in Russia, all of that kind of thing. But the sustainable development goals as well, I think that they're really important, and they sometimes get left. I guess the importance of them sometimes isn't underlined enough. So the UN have come together and set these amazing wish list of goals for us to achieve by 2030. And to be fair, we're a long, you know, we're a long way off, but we've got to keep trying. And I think always using those as a as a guidepost, it's bigger than the legislation. It's bigger than returning profit to your shareholders. It's bigger than, you know, your your day-to-day. This is what the the whole world is trying to do to move together to, to make it a better place. So I think when businesses take the sustainable development goals and look at them and say, well, where can I make a difference? What goal can I align up with? There's another global force that actually can keep you on track to say, okay, well, here's what you can do. Here's This is an easy win for you. Um, you can do this. And actually they can build that in. Well, and that's, I think that's the challenge today is that there are so many companies that are out there kind of, you know, pick your color washing uh, one way or another. They, they're basically saying, okay, yes, we are, we, we care about the environment. We have appointed a uh, envir- environmental coordinator or whatever. But if it's not part of the purpose of the business, it will soon fizzle out. So how do we get the businesses to really incorporate the, the idea? So into their mission statement, into their purpose, so that it starts to permeate the entire business and becomes part of the everyday. Yes, I have to look after the the idea of uh, uh, bringing money to the company, but also uh, the purpose of this business is to um, help the environment or to uh, you know help uh, raise awareness around homelessness or whatever it may be. Uh, so that when I'm talking to my my suppliers, that they know that this is the purpose of this business, and I will hold them accountable if they're not treating their people right or they're you know not being environmentally conscious, whatever. Right. So how do we get businesses to incorporate into the the purpose? It's about action, isn't it? It's about action. So action and the impact of that action. So on Thursday, we our keynote speaker was a fellow called John Sage, who actually stepped into Andy Mitchell OBE's shoes, who runs Tideway, which this is what they do. They are building the super sewer in London, but that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to clean the Thames. So two different things. What they're doing to achieve that purpose is building a new high-tech, massive, massive, sewer system but their aim is to clean the Thames have a clean clear thriving Thames full of wildlife full of species of fish that people can play in and on um, and make use of and they're returning social value by making the water really the center of some of the communities in and around London Um, the work is phenomenal they are every aspect of social value they are delivering on whether it's 
pulling people from hard to reach groups, putting a ladder down to bring them up into employment, focusing on girls and women's equality when it comes to STEM, bringing communities together on, uh, on the river to do community activities, specific projects to tackle plastic pollution. It just, the list goes on. What they are doing is a playbook of exemplary behavior, but they are not driven by the profit motive because they're a funded organization. Mm -hmm. So again, how do you do that when you're driven by the profit motive? Well, I actually think that if you were driven by the, if you were tied away and you were driven by the profit motive, motive, I'd be very surprised if they did that big infrastructure project without wanting to do the other things now as well. Yeah. Because how fantastic is it for them? I mean, they've got a very unglamorous brand but how fantastic to say this is the value we've added to London and life on London's, you know, main artery. So, you know, I think that they would have every incentive to do just that. Um, and I think it doesn't take a lot to sit down and plan those actions, even if you are a business that's beholden to your shareholders mm -hmm. and beholden to, you know, look at the legislation we're at and say, well, what, what more can I do? So, for example... If you are out there and you are, you're, you're, say, you're hustling as a business owner, how much more of your time would it take maybe for an hour a week to bring a, a, a girl, for example, from a disadvantaged group that might not have an opportunity to see what the business world is like, just to spend an hour on Zoom with them and tell mm -hmm. them about what you do and show them the bigger picture? You know, there's tiny things, tiny steps you can build into your business. Just pick Pick one area that, you know, that, like I said, the sustainable development goals give you that array of areas where you can make a difference. But pick one. Pick one and say, I can do one small thing. And Joanna, who works with me, likes to say, not, we're not asking one person to, do, to change the world and do everything. But every person can do one small thing and in their business. And that's how a small business would start. Absolutely. And then you get the bug for it. You know, and as your business grows, you build in more things. It's not everything or nothing. It's uh, it's not all or nothing. It's all or something. Right. Right. So it's and it, I think that example. Uh, what was the company called? Thriveway. Tideway. Tideways. I think that's a, a wonderful example how you can incorporate all of these things into a profit-oriented business because they all feed the purpose. Yeah. And because they feed the purpose, they become part of the profit generation of the business. So you are out there helping uh, uh, girls and disadvantaged communities in uh, getting into STEM uh, and getting into engineering and so forth. They then become your most loyal employees. And they are going to be the most effective employees because they are so behind this purpose that the energy they bring into it is going to be massive and it's going to be 10x in terms of the amplitude that it resonates in the overall purpose of the business. Yeah, and I can give you just one or two more examples if I can. Please do, please do. So uh, Henrik Mule uh, is the general manager or the managing director of Fleming's Mayfair, which is a hotel. He came to CEO Sleepout last year and raised 15,000 pounds. And what I didn't know till afterwards was as the, the general manager of that particular hotel, he has inequality, the contrast like you wouldn't believe 
on his doorstep. So he is serving multi-millionaires with their travel needs and their, their, their needs whilst they stay in London. And then he goes out to Piccadilly and on his doorstep, he sees the homelessness and the inequality. So what does this man do? He organizes his commercial kitchen to provide 200 hot meals every single Friday, which go out to Charing Cross in the Strand and deliver to people in need. And that started at the beginning of COVID. And he said 20 people would show up. <laughs> so we would do 20. But he said over the last two years, the queue has got longer and longer and longer. And now it's 200. Mm. What an exceptional example to give to your staff about inequality and what you can do to alleviate some of that. And showing, showing that the business cares, right? So yeah. because then that makes any stakeholder who's involved in that, you know. Proud. Well, yeah. And it makes them proud to go out and tell people, look at me, I work for this company and this is what we're doing. Yeah. And, and right? quite often now it's this is why I stay with this at this place because they do phenomenal work. And I met a person who said just that at the Shard. So, um, so, so the knock-on effect you're talking about is very real. And then the third thing I'll talk about is um, the person that I referred to, Jason, who works with the HR, big, big, you know, global HR. Um, and this is about workforce showing that they are giving them reasons to be connected, be happy, be uplifted, and how the knock-on effect of productivity, uh, well, productivity then is the knock-on effect of that. And, and actually in the UK, you know, we were accused by our current incumbent prime minister of being the worst idlers in the world. And I guess when you're comparing us to nations like, you know, emerging nations like India and, and, and Taiwan, that might be the case. We might not look, look good, but actually when you've got a workforce that's happy, that's thriving, that's connected, that is on the journey with you, then you can see you will see that difference in productivity as well. Yeah, and I think unfortunately this is a case of, and I'm uh, uh, taking this uh, quote from a book called uh, Exponential Organizations. But in terms of this new paradigm that we are truly shifting into because of the generations coming up behind us now, uh, is that you know we need to disrupt ourselves because if we're not doing it, someone else is going to do it for us. And being in that situation of being disrupted and uh, I've been in that situation and it's, it's quite unpleasant, you know, so rather than being disrupted by someone else or being forced to start to disrupt yourself because someone else is doing it to you, rather than doing that, make the changes now, to create that sustainability in the future. Because I think once you have, if you end, if you go into a, an economy that is uh, slumping or uh, you hit a rough patch with the uh, company, whatever it may be, if everybody is on board and on the same purpose, then everybody will work together towards achieving that higher goal. And then it doesn't matter if it's a bad market or whatever it is. Everybody might agree to take a 10% pay cut in order to keep it going because the money becomes less important, right? Yeah, true. And money's not a big driver for lots of people, actually. 
you know, you find that personal fulfillment, enjoyment of work, uh, feeling valued at work, all of those things are can can be drivers for people as well. So, you know, it's about finding out, knowing your people and finding out what that is. But I mean, everything you're talking about, Christopher, is, is my passion. Um, CEO Sleepout has been going now for five, well, sorry, 10 years. First one was in Middlesbrough in 2013. So we have our 10 year anniversary in Middlesbrough coming up. We've raised over three million to fight uh, homelessness across the UK, which is absolutely brilliant. But Bravo. as long as I've been working with it, which is 2017, well, I was at that very first one. But as long as I've been working with COC, but I've had business leaders say to me, what more can I do now? So I've done the sleep out. I get it. What can I do? So my kind of next mission is to form this Leaders with Purpose network, give you that inspiration give you people to look up to who are already doing it, give you people to connect with who are already doing it, give you educational tools, the actions, the measurement and metrics of your, your actions so that you can say, here's the impact we're having um, and getting it right, really. So watch this space because that is forming as we speak in the background. Beautiful, beautiful. And the, um, so what do you see? And I, I'm just imagining the process you know we're arriving there it's Christchurch at the uh, I think it's the uh, Tom's quad right uh or the Tom quad the meadows the meadows they just um what's it called scarified Tom quad so they put us in the meadows. Oh, okay okay yeah I've done that to my Lovely. own lawn here it's uh god wouldn't work out that was <laughs> <laughs> okay so the meadows so I'm just mentally kind of putting myself there and uh, as I wrote in uh, our meeting earlier today uh, you know I I spent uh, three years actively in the military thankfully I didn't go to any uh, active zones uh, but you know well, I've, I've done sleep ups uh, so I've and being a, when I was a kid, uh, we went to uh, sleeping or to uh, sailing camps and stuff like that so the the whole sleeping out is not something that is new to me or daunting or anything like that but being there and it's almost i i kind of see it as an activator and like you were saying a sprinkle fairy dust uh and it's that you go through that process of okay so if i had to do this every day Rain, rain or shine, snow, cold, you know, whatever it may be, or like we had this year, 40, uh, 41 degrees uh, Celsius. And you, you go through that thinking and basically like if I had to do this every day and not knowing if there was an end to it, Terrifying. that then activates that idea of, wow, I am so fortunate. And that level of gratitude, right? And then... But at the same time, activating the feeling of what else can I do? Yeah, that's what I hope. I mean, you are not going to get the experience of someone who is actually genuinely homeless at a CEO sleep out event. Oh, God, no. And sometimes we get our Facebook armchair warriors going, oh, look at you and your can of goose jackets, you know, blah, 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 blah. And to, to say that is to misunderstand the event. This is a business fundraiser mm-hmm. with a twist. Um, you are there to gain some inkling and some level of understanding and compassion to raise money for people that really need it. So anybody that criticizes that can just, as far as I'm concerned, they just don't get it and that they're never going to. So that's fine. But I always, yeah. And I try to be very clear that the message is we're not trying to imitate a rough sleeper. We are here to, as business leaders to, to, to get an understanding, raise that awareness and that money. 
So yes, and then an activator, exactly like you say. So what else can I do? Can I go back the next day to my business and think, hang on, I've got some inequality right here on my doorstep, just like Henrik, you know, did. And and think, okay, well, perhaps there's something I can get involved with locally, or there's some way I can actually use resources sitting in my business to help that that are already there. So Henrik already had his commercial kitchen. So that was there. Um, yeah, there, there are just ways that hopefully I think will unlock those th- that kind of vision for, for the business leaders there. I mean, Oxford's really interesting, actually, Christopher, where you're, where you're coming. We, we've never done Oxford before. And I'm really excited because the type of people who've signed up are really quite, you know, we've got prestigious educational leaders. Uh, we've got Baroness um, Jan Royal. We've got people um, in the business community. So we've got this mix of business education community leaders. We've got two sitting councillors. So it's pretty interesting. It's an interesting mix. And I hope that the message really cuts through here because Oxford, you will see, aside from the massive student population, which you have to say is still very privileged. You know, Oxford's not, it's not the equality and Oxford's not there yet that we'd, we would want to see because people can't cut through um, to get those opportunities if they're sort of growing up in poverty like Middlesbrough and, the, and the, the, the level of education, the aspiration isn't there in those pockets to actually get them funneled into Oxford. So Oxford's not seeing it yet. So in areas where you have great wealth, you see cheek by jowl, you're, you're living with that great inequality as well. And you might not, this might not be massively visible, but believe me, it's there. And when I walked about Oxford, there was about six rough sleepers that I counted um, on the streets. And that's that's tip of a very large iceberg because in Oxford, the problem is families, mothers with kids, single mums, uh, who have been evicted out of private rental because they've gotten to arrears. Yeah, and I mean, one of the challenges with Oxford is that it's London prices. Yeah, because, because we are in the uh, London commuter belt, we're kind of an anomaly out here. And you know, to buy a family house in Oxford, you're talking multi million pound investments, right. um, so it, it is a big challenge. And I think for me, the main thing I see in Oxford when it comes to the homeless population and that really gets me uh, is the uh, when I walk down the street and I see them being harassed by gang leaders or uh, criminal elements to well, yeah, we see do a their lot bidding. Of, we see a lot of that. And if you see a beggar, quite often uh, that's a modern slavery situation. So that person has been put out to beg, yeah. not for themselves. And so this is how people with no recourse to public funds are often being exploited. Yeah. So you will see that. Obviously, the person begging gets the flack you shouldn't be begging or whatever. Lots of people cast a judgment. And obviously if you're running a town, if you're the, if you're the mayor of that town or city, you don't want beggars. You want people to feel that they can come into a safe environment and not be hassled and spend their money. Mm-hmm. But this modern slavery is deliberately targeting areas and they're putting people with no recourse to public funds in because they've got no other choice. Oh. And this is how they will survive. Um, so we just need to have compassion, understanding for some of the mechanisms that are are going on around that and why those people are actually there yeah no and i I think it's so for me that's that's kind of my why i'm getting involved is because i see the it's it's not so much the 
the sleeping rough, which is a challenging aspect all of in itself, but it's the how unsafe it is and how mm -hmm. exposed them, they are to violence and to uh, the modern slavery or slavery, as you say. Um, and it's it's just that they are left out to deal with their own stuff. Um, yeah, and then, and of course, we have the mental health aspect with it as well, right? Right. So, um, so the fear is unbelievable, you know. And Kerry, when you meet Kerry Douglas, you'll hear her side of it, and that really is eye-opening. She lived eleven years on the streets of Westminster, and is now an author, a speaker, advisor to government, a consultant. Um, but if you're on the street, saying you're a woman my age, I would not be five minutes without somebody basically coercing me into working for them mm -hmm. and you can imagine what I would have to do for that safety so it's a trade-off you're trading your safety for for whatever you you know you, you're trading so it's not great and same with sofa surfing so a lot of young people people on zero hours contract perhaps in COVID whose contracts you know didn't didn't continue sofa surfing is this hidden homelessness it's massive mm. But sometimes to earn your place on that sofa, you know, you are putting yourself in ma massive, massive danger. Yeah. And, and, and that's everywhere. And again, you know, you can't sort of, the, the horror stories are too, are kind of too shocking. And sometimes they don't, they don't create the impact. But when you actually hear from somebody like Kerry Douglas tell her firsthand story, then it becomes so real because you're looking at somebody who looks like you as a mirror to, to you or someone you know who has the same hopes, dreams, aspirations, talents, deserving of care and love, just as we all are, when you see that, that really changes people. Yeah. Well, and that, that's what we need. I mean, we are, oftentimes we are hidden, we, we are shielded from the solutions to the problems. Media likes to portray the problems, but we are unable to connect to it because we it doesn't, it doesn't mirror back to us, but uh, doing actions like this, we can actually connect with it. Something I wanted to, and I think uh, everybody on the uh, uh, in the audience here on the live call, but also who's listening to the recording, this is an organization that you started, right? I didn't start it, no. Oh, you didn't start it. I don't take the credit for that. It started <laughs> by an amazing human called Andy Preston. He's now the mayor, elected mayor of Middlesbrough. Okay. And he made his money in London in the in the markets, and he 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 got out of the markets, and he came back to his hometown, and he did his own version of leveling up, really. Right. So he did the first CEO sleep out in 2013, and I kind of helped a little bit spread the word and and whatnot. And I, I slept out in 2013, and it was awful. It snowed. It was windy. The camaraderie was great. It was a buzz. It was a great atmosphere. But I did say to him the next day, I said, "Listen, I, I just need to let you know that I am never ever." Don't ask me to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and I must have done 60 plus as we right. stand here today. Um, but I do absolutely love it. And, and he, yeah, he called me out of the blue when I was freelancing as a marketing and digital and brand specialist in 2017. He said, can you, can you just help me a bit with CEO Sleep Out? And as it went on, it took over my whole entire life. And it, it was the perfect fit for what I wanted to do with my values. And just speaking about those values, Christopher, Andy and I met because we, we worked in the same building in 2010. And I remember having a conversation. I was running a web and creative agency at that time. And I said, actually, it's not fulfilling 
my values, I said, you know, it feels like I'm on a hamster wheel where I'm just going out winning business, putting it through the process with my team and then chasing the invoice. Didn't make me feel very fulfilled. So just closing the loop on that very earlier part of our conversation. And he just sort of nodded me. Mm, mm, mm. And I thought, oh, it's gone over his head. You know, he doesn't get it. <laughs> but then I got this phone call out of the blue in 2017. And it was him saying, I think I've got the, I think I've got a job that you're going to love. So full circle, you know, and I, I really do. And it really, it, for me, it's it's an exciting job to, still. Mm. I don't mind sleeping out anymore. I kind of like it. <laughs> I love talking to everybody that's put their, you know, put thrown their hat in the ring and got their sleeping bags, dusted off their sleeping bags and come along. And I make sure I try and talk to everybody and make them feel appreciated on the night. So I've met some incredible people from tiers of business and life that you kind of wouldn't ever imagine you were going to meet. So, you know, I'm thrilled that to be doing this job. Well, it's fantastic. So I, I think as people get inspired, they are probably, and I, I, I'm probably in that category myself, like what can we do in our local communities? So we have people here from, uh, well, we have uh, different uh, people from, uh, uh, other parts of the UK, but we got the Costa Rica represented and so forth. So, if how do we get started? If you know, if we don't have a lot of money, we want to get do something for our community, but we can't do it as a full time job. You know how how would you recommend that people get started to be leaders in their communities and kind of extend this charitable leadership? Yeah, charitable leadership in your community. It's it's. It, I think it came to the fore on COVID. I I I don't know, um, you know, about anyone else, but what I saw was community groups popping up everywhere. And I thought, well, what can we do? And I live in Saltburn by the Sea, so I made sure that Saltburn by the Sea had a little community group that we that that I was able to raise funds for and get them off the ground. Um, but that's that, but that's one way. I think there's loads of different ways. Mentor somebody, give somebody an opportunity, start making connections, see what see what the consensus is in your in your friendship group, that kind of thing. Um, and as a business, it's a little bit different. It's look at what resources you have and where the fit is. Um, I would go into a business and uh, so I have a side, I also have another side hustle called the uplift, where we go into a business, we do a kind of an audit on the individuals in the business, what are the what are we doing, what are the values of the people, what's the character of the business, what is what's the natural fit, what sustainable alignment goal can we match up to? Um, what's the matchmaking, so what's local to you, what what would help you make that difference? What are the local charities and causes that we can connect you with? And then we make a plan. That's beautiful. Yeah. And we work out how to measure it as well. I think that's really important, measuring your impact. I'll talk to you offline about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. No, I mean, this is something that is, is needed everywhere, right? As you were saying, it's not only you can, and, and you can work on this, as a single person, for example, I don't I don't work uh, anymore for an institution or a company. I am a freelancer now, and and still there are things that we can do individually. And I appreciate these moments because um, it just brings back to me what we have been here uh, working in the community uh, because this is a here 
where I live, it's a small community. Uh, there are lots of different nationalities around here. And sometimes we get to uh, be individual, right? We, we get to close our doors or close ourselves. And it's supposed to be the other way around, right? We should be um, trying to be aware of the need and and that's where I, I really have been working on how through my ability, through what I do, what can I share? What can I give, right? Um, so the awareness that you talked about the responsibility and I think the trust is very important. The trust that we create among the people that we are uh, connecting to or that we're working with, uh, it's very, very important because that gives testimony of, of uh, the values that you were talking about and, and the purpose that we have because we work not for the money, right? Money is just nothing. It's a tool, right? But it's, it has by itself, it doesn't mean anything. So, um, to, to be able to connect and to be clear about that, which you were saying, the purpose of service, right? Every, every single um, company, institution, or individual must have that purpose to live inside or outside. It's ingrained in you. It's part of you. That's why we're here. We're not here to live a life of an individuality. We are here to live a life of service. So I love everything that you said and it has been in my mind lately. So I was, I looked at your post, uh, Christopher, and I said, oh, wow, this, you're attacking me, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> from all the sites, from all the sites, in, in a way, in a good way. So thank you. Thank you, both of you. And uh, just take into consideration uh, growth. Like that's what we want when we create something, when we work growth, but growth, growth in what, in that value, in that, um, in that community, we cannot grow by ourselves. We have to grow with people. So thank you very much. Oh, Jesse, that's that's so true. And um, you know, you said that the, about the purpose, and we all have it inside us. And I think it sometimes takes a bit of um, peeling the layers off the onion to actually find it, and um, or an opportunity to come your way that allows you to suddenly express it, which is what happened to me. Um, I, I think. One of the one of the ways we can do that is actually sit with our connections or our team if, if they're willing to do it and get them to contemplate what drives, what gets you out of bed, what do you what do you genuinely care about, and what are your values? I think we talk about values as if it's just a term that you can bandy about, but actually, like you say, it, they're inbuilt in you and they're how you live your life and express every single day. But sometimes, until we sit and try and contemplate it, we can't name them. So I think that that's a really valuable exercise to sit and explore. What do I really care about? What are my values? How do I live my life? And how does that reflect in, in, in the actions, my everyday stuff? And then you find out what those values are. And then when an opportunity comes along, you can see the, you can see the fit much more clearly. 
Yeah, that's a really good practical example of how to connect with that higher purpose. And uh, it's, uh, I, I think for me, I uh, spend some time every week in St. Albans, which is about an hour and 20 minutes from here, uh, working in an office there with a the company. And there's uh, this guy who always sits outside the uh, Tesco's there. And it's, you know, it is one of those things. You're busy life. You tend to just walk past, right? But I started to really wonder about, you know, this person. And once you do that, then you, you create a connection with the person, right? And so I always, when I go into Tesco's, I buy a fruit cup or something and I give it to him and just have a chat, like, how are you doing? Are you able to find a shelter tonight? You know, this, these kind of things. And the, when I started to talk to this guy a few years ago, the, the surprise in his face as I was engaging with him and the almost little bit bit of suspicion was disheartening because that wasn't something he was used to. So it's and that doesn't only have to be the homeless population. It could be you know any part of the population that is feeling kind of left out or ostracized or you know not feeling included or connected. And I, I think for me, being able to connect on a human level, that that just awoke something within me, and that just sparked this need to do something. And I so when I've run, uh, done run uh, like competitions and stuff, and I've raised money, I often do it for uh, uh, homeless Oxfordshire, um, and it's just one of those things that you know it. In today's society, we don't need to have that. When, one of the things Kerry Douglas will talk about in her, her talk at the CEO Sleep Out events that she's attending is this idea that, you know, she, feel, she felt like locked out of society and unseen and worse than the vermin in the streets of London. And the minute somebody paid attention and started talking, that's transformational. That meant more, she would tell you that means more than a 20 pound note dropped in her cup, you know, for somebody to spend two seconds or two minutes just acknowledging that you're a human being and you're worthy of a conversation and making eye contact. Um, everybody wants somebody to bear witness to their story. Yeah. And if we can, if we've got the time to do that for somebody, that can mean everything to that person. It means they existed. It means they've been seen. So I think that that's one of the things, that's one of the big takeaways from a CEO sleep out event. I mean, it can be so, so powerful just in itself. All this other stuff is, is kind of the, the wraparound, but the event focuses all of that into, and into kindness, I guess, is what it is, and awareness and being a human connection. Um, just, just so, so important. And I think once you allow yourself to be the one who sees, that also connects you and awakens something powerful within you because now you're you've opened yourself up to connecting with another human being on a on a different level and that then is becomes a powerful force within yourself as well so it's, uh, there's benefit on both both parts there um, so 
in my work as a mentor and a coach and a consultant, oftentimes I talk about this idea of, you know, go out and look around you and see, you know, if there are, if there are homeless people around you, engage with them, connect with them, because that will then awaken something within you and start a process of transformation within you. Um, and because I, one of the big challenges I see uh, from the work I do in our society is this disconnectedness, there's this distance between us and other human beings. So we, we tend to connect with you know, our friends and our family, but it might be only on a surface level. So going out and connecting with someone who is uh, a stranger might feel more, uh, might be easier because you, there's no judgment there, right? So oftentimes the, the challenge we have with friends and family is that we always fear that there's going to be a level of judgment. Uh, so being able to connect with a stranger while you are actually doing a, a, a something good for that stranger as well is a powerful thing, I think. Well, what you've said really struck a chord with me, Christopher. Um, when you said be someone, allow yourself to be someone who sees. And, you know, I have, I think that homelessness has become normalized. Mm -hmm. um, it's become accepted as, oh, that's just how we are. That's what we allow to accept. And people stop seeing. They don't want to see. Mm -hmm. And I think they don't want to see because what does it say about their role in society if they start to acknowledge it? Yeah. No, I think that, that, that there's a big barrier to cross to allow yourself to see. I love that. I really love that. Um, so thank you for, for, for raising that. And if you don't mind, I might actually steal it. <laughs> oh, please. Use it to, uh, use it to your heart's content. <laughs> yes, I, I just occurred to me a question. And, for example, here, um, I think the challenge is more the fear, fear, because uh, the majority of homeless people here are because they have been into drugs, so they're drug addicts, and they are kind of violent as well, right? I have been working with uh, missionaries here, and uh, what we do is provide food um, to the homeless, and we started uh, on the streets, and, and you can see people fighting, right? Um, I have never been scared, even though there has been knives and things out, but there's a certain thing of like what they see, what you emanate, what you are feeling is they feel it as well. Like, right. So, but people are afraid to participate in things like this because of fear. So I don't know if you have been doing this for quite a long time, if there's something, um, uh, something that you can can tell me about is how to address fear or how to help others not to to uh, be attached to this fear so so uh, strongly right so Mark, you are you asking me, me jesse yeah yeah um so i don't work on the front line um and i'm in awe of people who do 
because their job is they've got to be so vulnerable and they've got to carry the weight of individuals that they have connected with on their shoulders and 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 sometimes it doesn't work out sometimes it just you can't save everybody and um so but i think that what's needed is there's a lot of things wrong with society but one of the things is we've got to address mental health crisis in our society fear anxiety all of that stuff um stems from it um is part of it and drug well, the more <laughs> the more i understand recovery and drug substance um, misuse, the more I understand that this is about trauma and self-medication and masking. Coping mechanism. Coping mechanism for trauma. Mm. So um, so I'm not I'm not really qualified to properly answer that, Jesse. I'm sorry, but um, I do think that as a society, we need to understand that we've got to wrap around more comprehensive support for early intervention mental health, early years childhood trauma, the care system, um, and if you were to ask me, I know this is not the question you asked, but if you asked me what would I do to solve homelessness, it would be start with the young person's care system and mental health. Because those two things, if you start to fall through those early cracks, you're a goner in the system we're in at the minute. So it's that plus create enough affordable housing, which we know we're near to do. Um, so I know, I, I know that's not answering your question, but that's kind of the insight that I can give from where I'm standing here today. Well, I think, Jesse, what Jesse is asking also is about the people that might want to get involved, but they're not able to because they can't get to get across that fear threshold, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so I missed that bit, Jesse. Sorry about that. Um, uh, there's two things that, well, there's a few things that would hold people back from getting involved in something. Um, one is, they don't want to know, and that's fine. Two is they are afraid that once they know, they will be invested. There's no turning back. There's no turning back. Yeah, and how much time might that cost them and all of this and stuff and and and, and what happens when they're invested. Um, the other is uh, I'm too afraid to, I'm afraid to, I won't, I won't I'll look like an idiot because I won't raise the money. We just say, don't worry about that. Just do do as best you can to get down oh, there. That was the first thing I said to you, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you will raise the money. I promise you, you'll, you'll just raise the money. It will just happen. If you do the steps, it'll yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing is, people don't come because they're afraid that they're embarrassed that they'll snore. I'm like, if you don't, if you, <laughs> if you're human, then you snore and that's, Okay, and I've heard it all. So there's lots of re- there's lots. I'll just of guarantee them that you're going to go up and kick them if they do. So yeah, and and, and so I work at overcoming some of those reasons with people and and trying and trying to twist arms regardless. But but I think I think you're right. The people have a lot of fears and a lot of anxieties, and and we just say, look, you're never ever going to get in a room with such amazing people who all actually genuinely care. This is such an opportunity. Um, so you know, take it, get get down there, and then you will. You might. The worst that can happen is you'll learn something. And Jesse, if I can add to what Bianca was saying there, I would turn around as if someone says, "No, I'm not interested in that." Uh, just plain point blank, ask them, "What what is there to fear in this? Are there going to be drug users? There going to be violence? Well, you can experience that anytime, anywhere, anyway." So 
what there must be something else that is causing this fear challenge them to reflect on themselves and if they are if they take that bait then you have done them a service because now they are engaging with themselves and engaging with their own trauma and core wounding and if they don't then that's their path that's you know we accept that right so just asking them to ask themselves the question why am i fearful of this what what is it that i've experienced that is causing me to be fearful so for me uh you know before i kind of got on my journey when i saw homeless people i look away because it was uncomfortable because they i can connect or i and i suppose i am one of these people that people you know if there is someone who's walking down the street and they're uh, you know muttering to themselves or you know someone screaming something like that they will come up and talk to me so it it was a kind of a defense mechanism from my perspective that if i don't look at them then i don't need to engage right so it was for me to once i start asking myself questions other questions i was like why am i shying away from i reacted to myself and i started reflecting on myself why did i just avert my look when i'm walking past this homeless person and that then allowed me to go and say well yeah i have these challenges so let me break through that i'll go up and talk to him right so it's just challenging someone to kind of uh, reflect on their own fears you can help them even if they say they can't uh, do anything with you perhaps you help them to discover something else about themselves hello everyone hey norka how are you hey, uh, good thank you well i want to thank christopher for uh, helping me allow to see the connection with the homeless people because i was like a Christopher, um, I felt so uncomfortable uh, to see, to have eye contact with them. So uh, I always looked away and try not to notice, but being unseen is uh, really uh, um, the most painful thing for people, I think, um, rather than being hated, not. Uh, um, not see, not being seen. Um, is even uh, worse, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so uh, Christopher um, told me that um, that uh, he uh, sometimes give fruits to the homeless people, and um, I was uh, really scared to do that. But when I passed by uh, one of the homeless people in Edinburgh, um, I thought about uh, what Christopher said. But then it was a cold day. I thought, ah, I think a fruit is a bit cold. So uh, I did uh, talk to the um, a homeless person. Uh, Hello, and uh, are you hungry? Would you like anything? And uh, he said, I would like coffee. So uh, I just went to the store and got coffee and some pastry and gave them to him. And uh, he was saying, thank you. And I thought... Um, um, at least um, I was able to, uh, um, well, I couldn't help other people, but that day um, I made a connection with him. So uh, 
uh, he wasn't being ignored. So uh, I was happy that uh, um, I uh, had the courage to do that. But then when I went to uh, Big Street, there were loads of homeless people. And I was, oh, what am I going to do? I can't individually, I, I can't buy everybody food. Uh, so I told Christopher about that. I couldn't help people. And he said that uh, um, um, just helping one person, uh, other when other people see that action, um, I can influence them. And so I can be a role model for them. And I thought, all right. So uh, it wasn't useless thing. I did something <laughs> um, that might have helped others as well. So there are so many challenges out there and it's we can't help everybody, but at least doing one good thing might help others to also I love uh, see the connection. <laughs> That's so, so beautiful, um, Noriko. That is so perfect as well because you gave the person you spoke to agency to decide what they wanted. You gave them power. Um, you gave them exactly what they needed at the time and other people would have been encouraged to see you doing that. And I think we should, must never beat ourselves up if we can't, if we have to walk past somebody who's rough sleeping. It's not our job to fix everybody. We have to remember that. We do what we can do with the time available to us, with the resources available to us, mm-hmm. and never feel guilty if we can't. Mm-hmm. You know, But that one gesture will have a... Kerry Douglas talks about this ripple effect. Mm-hmm. You do one small thing, you'll never know where those ripples go. Mm-hmm. But they will, they will, they will ripple out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is so important in terms of charitable leadership is the role model. Because if you show up and you are being the best version of yourself, then others will engage with that energy, and they will, without even understanding they're doing it, they will start to change. And they will start to uh, take action to uh, to become their best version, right? So that being able to show up as a role model is really key uh, for everybody. And I think part of that process is starting to reflect on yourself, because if you're not reflecting on yourself, you can't take that action to grow within yourself. So as a you know business leaders and being out there. Uh, you know, this idea of making money for your own benefit or for the uh, shareholders, as Bianca was saying, it it does get old and you you kind of get to the point where you're like, okay, I need to have a bigger purpose here. Um, And the more people that become role models, that will then be contagious on, on other business leaders. So the the last 10 business leaders that hold on to their old values, they're going to have a really tough time because they are going to be severely disrupted. So I would say to any business leader out there, don't be the last 10. (laughs) Take action now. All right. Take action now. Yeah. Just do it. Just throw yourself in there and just they'll, do they'll it. say that Nike is going to come and sue us. <laughs> you know what? A CEO sleep out as well as you know. I say to people, it's not like I said this morning on the call tonight. It's not like a marathon where you've got to train for six months. It's literally the easiest challenge you'll probably ever do. You know, but people 
<laughs> like people do have weird weird fears about it but by doing it they're showing their network that they're getting involved with something some are afraid of virtue signaling so i always say if you stand accused of virtue signaling do it anyway i care not your reasons for being there whether it's the pr the networking you know the face the splash on linkedin or whatever because when we get you there we can change you mm. we can change your percep perceptions and that's what it's about. And, and again, it's about the money you'll raise because that will do the good that we need to be doing. So we're, we're never going to, we don't think we can solve homelessness. We can't solve poverty, but we can start to make some noise about this with the people who have some power. And that's yeah. what we're trying to do. Beautiful. Bianca, how can uh, people get hold of you? So jump on my LinkedIn, uh, Bianca Robinson on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Um, and jump on ceosleepoutuk.com to look at what the Sleep Out does. Uh, Leaders with Purpose doesn't have a website, but again, that's just a matter of following me on LinkedIn. And, and you know, if you get a chance, message me and I'll message back and we can connect. We can connect that way. And I'd absolutely love to connect with you all. Beautiful. Uh, thank you. As always, it's been a wonderful conversation today. And uh, Bianca, you've, uh, your contributions here have been invaluable and uh, it's uh, uh, amazing to see the work that you're doing, and I'm uh, uh, so proud to be part of it now. So, uh, and uh, hopefully, we'll uh, raise a lot of awareness and a lot of money and uh, all of that good stuff. So, but yeah, as for everybody thank out there, take action and uh, be a role model. And uh, thank you for everybody showing up here today with your beautiful energies, as always. And uh, we hope to see you next week as we. Uh, go on to the next uh, conversation and uh, the next podcast like much most other things in life it's uh, it is not all or nothing it is all or something taking that little step of action is going to be a huge difference for someone out there but the keys as we said are really show up be a role model and take action and from my experience in my work and uh, when I've engaged with homeless people in my private life, there is, when you have that connection and you can feel that someone is feeling seen, it's a tremendous feeling within yourself, but also having that connection with someone on a deep level is just tremendous. Uh, so I recommend try it out, feel it out, see how you feel about it. I will put the links in the uh, uh, show description as well or the episode description uh, but if you want to reach out and get involved with uh, Bianca then she's available at ceosleepoutuk.com and if you want to support me in my fundraising as I go towards this uh, CEO sleepout in Oxford England then you can go to my Just Giving page at uh, justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Christopher hyphen Lemke. Well, thank you for joining us here today at the Alchemy Experience podcast and hope to uh, see you next week as we publish another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast on Fridays at 11.11 British time. In the meantime, take care and have a good one. Bye for now.